Welcome to Radical Rocks. This is your host Shane. Today we've got a super exciting episode, jam-packed full of really interesting fossil news, more news on Mars, pink sapphire, agates, jasper, and so much more. I was looking at Radical Rocks. There were fossils, minerals, and rocks and things. There were sand and hills and rings. The first thing I found was a geocrystals. Quartz with no clouds. Agate was hot and the ground was hard. But the gems were there to be found. See, I've been through the desert, found a rock with no name. Felt good to have in my hand. In the desert, that's right guys radical rocks are all over the place we're going to talk about whiskey creek jasper we're going to talk about all kinds of good stuff we're going to talk about ellenberg's um, blue which is a really cool agate we're going to talk about the longest dinosaur near 140 feet long and some really cool news coming out of uh, from Mars, and then also um, all kinds of stuff, guys. We're going to get right into it. I want to thank you guys um, for supporting our social media. I did have to uh, cancel my Radical Rocks website. Um, just was not um, generating enough support to keep it going to justify paying the fees for it. So we're still out there on YouTube. Just look up Radical Rocks. We'll be the first ones to come up. Uh, if you go to Facebook, you can look us up at Radical Rocks. And also on MeWe, Radical Rocks. You can connect with us any way you want. Also, now on the um, podcast, especially through Anchor, you can comment and connect with me that way as well if you like. Okay. Um, so let's get right into it. We have so much good stuff today, guys. Rare fossil. Um, what we got here is a rare fossil captured inside an ancient shrimp hiding inside a clam. Uh, this was cited by National Geographics at nationalgeographics.co.uk by Rebecca de Zombach. And uh, there is a fossil here where you can see this little shrimp, quite uh, colorful. I see a little purple fleck. I see some red, very iridescent. I see some uh, kind of a reddish brown and then golden type of color where you can see this fossilized shrimp that was actually found inside of a clam. A fossilized clam. So long, long ago, um, this little shrimp was out there and uh, hunting about and got snapped up by a giant clam. Uh, this giant clam was about 10 inches wide. It was founded by an Australia farmer in uh, 2016. And the shrimp was about 1.2 inches long. And now you can see this in the Australian's uh, Connosaurus Corner Museum, if you want to check that out and find out more about this interesting find. Now, we've got some really great stuff on some Jasper, 
on uh, some agate, special agate, pink sapphires, a lot of gemstone stuff. We also, if you are a gemstone person, you want to keep your diamonds, your silver, your gold, you want to keep it shinier than ever, well, you can go to townandcountrymag.com, and and is spell out, spelled out A-N-D, and the article is by Meg Donahue, and it's talking about how to clean these. Now, also, if you go to our blog, um, it's at Blogspot, it's Radical Rocks, I forget the exact... Uh, link for it offhand, but you can look it up. We have a really great um, list of products that you can use, and, and I believe I have a whole uh, blog on that, but we also have some lists of things, shop things that you would you could use, and in there is a great list of things you can use to clean your jewelry. But in this article, it talks about, you know, you got to be careful. You can't just wash anything with anything. But uh, it gives advice by using soap, cleaning cloths. Um, you know, you got to be careful about chemicals because they can ruin things. You don't want to use certain chemicals on opals or pearls, anything organic nature like that. Fossils also, you want to be careful if you have a fossilized piece of jewelry, maybe some uh, ammonite uh, shell or something like that. Gold uh, is pretty... Uh, pretty forgiving, but you've got to be careful with uh, coral and lapis lazula and all these other things. You've got to be careful. So the first uh, jewelry cleaner they have is a, it's actually a set, a deluxe starter set called uh, Deluxe Starter Set. And uh, it's at juliebrush.com. And it's like a toothbrush. It's a sonic toothbrush. It's meant for diamonds. Uh, it has uh, rubber along with regular bristles. And uh, they have a chamois drying cloth and uh, cleaning for that. It takes less than 30 seconds, they say. There's uh, Shinery, S-H-I-N-E-R-Y, Shinery uh, Radiance Jewelry Wash which is a cheaper way of washing your jewelry, gets the oil and the grime off, they say. Safe for pearls, they say, opals, emeralds, turquoise. So this might be a good option if you want to, to clean everything. It does not have uh, fragrance or sulfites or ammonia um, and is safe enough for everyday use. They've got an ultrasonic jewelry cleaner. Um, you do got to be careful with these. It says set it and forget it, but uh, they do cause vibration, so you need to be careful. Um, stones can get loose in these, and also the cleaners, you have to make sure that they are good with whatever type of uh, stone that you have in there. They have the Ultra Jeweler Cleaning Kit. Um, this is kind of another do-it-by-hand. That's the actual name of the company is Caribbean Gym the Ultra Jewelry Cleaner Kit. Um, they say it's safe on all types of jewelry from soft, precious, semi-precious gemstones, costume jewelry chains, and even scratched metal. So this is one that is probably a lot more um, um, not as harsh. Brilliant Spa Personalized Steam Cleaner. Now, this is a great way that I use to clean diamonds. You do have to be careful with stones that could have inclusions or water trapped inside. You could cause a fracture, but uh, a steam clean uh, every once in a while, 
on a piece of jewelry where it's safe to do so can really get it super clean. You got to make sure that it isn't going to damage your your gemstone, but I have used it on diamonds with good success. That's what they use at the jewelry stores typically. Jewelry cleaner with cleaning basket and brush. I've seen this one before. Um, Brilliant is what it's called. And um, it's for gold, platinum, diamonds, pearls, emerald, coral, opals, and turquoise. You got to be careful with the opal, coral, uh, and turquoise because some things will eat those up in pearls. But this is suitable for all of those. I've seen people use it. does a fairly good job. Jewelry polishing cloth with a R22 preventative, whatever that means. Um, it says it's good for silver, gold, platinum, titanium, uh, argent, um, yeah, titane, uh, platane. And it says it is a 12 by 15 inch cloth. It will shine and buff gold, silver, platinum jewelry. It has a special R22 penetrative solution that leaves a lasting tarnish resistant barrier on your pieces. So I guess it leaves some kind of a coating. Um, this cloth is not safe with pearls, opal, ivory, emerald, coral, amber, lapis, lazula, malachite, or 24 karat gold. So probably wouldn't want to use it on any calcites or anything like that either. Um, they've got a few more here um, if you want to look at it. Different cleaning ones. Again, townandcountrymag.com. You can check that out if you want. Mineral only found in meteorites is discovered near the Dead Sea. Now, when I heard this, first thing I thought of is, uh, gee, I remember going to Israel and uh, on the other side of the Dead Sea, that's where they believed the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah were found. So I don't know if this has anything to do with that, but it was an interesting story. Studyfinds.org, mineral only found in meteorites discovered near the Dead Sea. Um, nobody getting credit for this one, but these scientists in Russia apparently have been looking over um, this area in Israel and finding this mineral that they believe could only be from outer space. Interesting, this tiny iron meteorite uh, that they originally found in Russia includes iron and nickel, giving it a metallic luster, but they have done more research and um, found some in sediments. Now, what they find that is so strange is that this mineral, they believe, could only be created from high pressure. And when we say high pressure... They feel this is from a catastrophic collision with a large meteor impact that hits so hard that it not only goes to the Earth's crust, but uh, maybe even to Earth's mantle conditions at a depth of more than 500 kilometers. Now, they feel that the pressure equivalent to 360,000 pounds per square inch was reached. This could only be reached by space rock impacts at depths of 311 miles inside to the mantle of Earth. Very interesting. This zone that they feel the impact must have hit to create this is known as the molted zone. Um, 
Now, where they found it in Israel, um, they still have a lot of studying to do to figure out how this came about. Everything's always a study and always subject to change. If you've listened to my channel, you know that I will tell you that. Um, I will not just read an article subtitle and not uh, dig in a little bit and put a question mark there. Be open to um, what could be found later on and, and don't just follow into the subheadings because the subtitles because a lot of times those are um, misleading. All right, next. This is kind of cool on Mars. I, I want to tell you about this. Um, NASA Mars rover snags a rock sample. Um, and I wanted to kind of introduce this and say they found something green on Mars. And it's not little green men. It's a greenish mineral. Okay. Amanda Kuser, uh wrote the article here. And you can find it at cnet.com under NASA Mars Rover snags rock sample loaded with greenish mineral. Um, you can read this whole article if you want. They have pictures of it here. There was a tweet that came out. This is actually olivine, which is, as you know, most likely a like peridot. It is a green gemstone. It is volcanic rock. And if you're familiar with volcanoes, you know that steam and sulfur and things like that can come up with the volcano and in with these uh, volcanic glasses that come up. Very interesting um, to be finding this on uh, Mars. They found it at the crater, a giant uh, crater on uh, an asteroid once called Vesta. And now they have found it on Mars, a fingerprint of olivine on Martian soil sample. They will look at this and study. They have a number of sample tubes on board that will be sent back to Earth for further studies as well. Those are due to be back, I believe it was 2030. So you can check that out. I've got some more NASA news to talk about in a little bit as well. But before I do, you might want to check out the Nevada State Museum in Reno. Our friends at rockandjim.com uh, send out a free email with a link to the article, the web article, Exploring the Nevada State Museum in Reno. You can see that uh, this historical site is obviously going to talk about Carson City, which is the Comstock load where the silver boom of the world really took place in 1859. If you've ever been up to Virginia City, this is a really fun place to visit. I actually was working for Coca-Cola for a while um, while they were ripping me off for all the overtime I was working. Um, it wasn't actually Coca-Cola. It was Coca-Cola, but it was uh, Swire Coca-Cola. They are like a, a holding company. And anyway, they sent me up there to Virginia City, amongst many other places in Nevada, uh, as well as Tahoe and Sparks and different cities out there. Beautiful country. But uh, I loved Virginia City, not real, the mountains are rugged and desert-like, um, but the history is just amazing there. Silver was all over Virginia City, and Gold Hill continued until the 1920s. Um, just down from Virginia City, you are in Carson Valley, Carson City, 
where the state capital is and also um, the mint, Carson City U.S. Mint, a famous mint for minting coins for the United States government, were minted from 1870 to 1893. Beautiful coins, very collectible and desirable, came in, coming out of that area. If you're a coin collector, you know that. Um, all kinds of uh, silver came out of that mine. You can read all about it in this article if you want. But they have other exhibits, wonderful fossil collections, um, the, the Sky Under the Sky uh, exhibit, the uh, Nevada State symbols, minerals, special, special items from uh, textiles, um, so much more. Fossils, um, Earth's geology, Going back to the beginning of time, um, they've got an Ichosaurus fossil there. The state fossil is the Ichosaurus. About 55 foot long, this fossil is sitting on the wall there where you can see it exhibited there. Quite stunning. Um, if you want to go there, just go to Rock and Jim and look up the Nevada um, the Exploring Nevada State Museum in Reno. All right. Now, um, our friends at the Gold Prospectors Association of America, they send me emails, and uh, they're always trying to get uh, us to, you know, get memberships. And I've had memberships here and there throughout the years, and um, I've always enjoyed them. I've always got their claim guides and used some many of their claims back in the day. Uh, it's been a while. Always enjoyed it way back in the 80s uh, when they had the buzzard, who was uh, uh, George Massey, the founder of Gold Prospectors Association of America. Very, um, uh, quite a, a, a character and uh, enjoyable to watch his shows back in the day, finding the gold. But what they have is they are, uh, I read through their email and they have the Christen Gold Mine in North Georgia. And there's a video on YouTube. You can look it up. Go to YouTube and look up Christen, C-R-I-S-S-O-N, Gold Mine, North Georgia, comma, North Georgia. And they tell you all about the gold mine there. Now, it is kind of touristy, but they have trommels there. They have sluice boxes. They have panning areas. Yeah, they've got the gemstone and the, you know, the tourist type stuff. But they also have a stamp mill that is actually operating there. There's a lot of history, um, and you can do some uh, somewhat, you know, fun gold mining experience where you actually get some gold. They sell the bags, you know, that have gold in them, pay dirt, they like to call it. Um, us real prospectors call it salted. <laughs> but uh, it's kind of fun, and it's a nice video to watch if you want to find out about the Crisson Gold Mine in North Georgia. Paleontologists stunned over a twist in the Holy Grail four-legged snake fossil find. Let me get a swig of coffee and I will fill you in on this one. Now again, so often is the case that uh, these claims are found that uh, they found a missing link or whatever and people just tend to hang on to that and believe that forever. 
at uh, express.co.uk on the Express. Paleontologist stunned under twist in Holy Grail four-legged snake fossil find here by Sebastian Ketley. They actually show some uh, pictures of this creature. There's a video um, and pictures. And they have it looking like a snake in some of their pictures. But when you see the actual fossil... um, yeah, you know, it looks like a worm. It looks like a leaf. It is uh, maybe four inches long. And the legs, they don't even look like legs at all. Um, what I see is two uh, very awkward looking things hanging off. And now, after studying what was supposedly the Holy Grail, um, This is not even a snake at all. The most basic structure of the snake that would identify a snake is its skull pattern. This skull pattern clearly is not a snake um, from day one, but yet this was found. The legs are um, clearly not actual legs. Um, it, It could have been some kind of a relative of snakes, Maybe uh, at first glance, they said at one time, but there is so many questions. Um, Again, this is not uh, verified at all. And um, there was something else in here I was going to share with you. Um, Expert and his colleague came to conclusions based on the rock from the fossil um, the specimen was split. The skull ended up on opposite sides of the slab um, and clearly are not uh, anywhere near what a snake would have as a skull. It is squamates ever found. It says one of the greatest challenges to studying the pteropodophis is that one of It is one of the smallest fossil squamates ever found compared to the smallest squamates. Whoops. Oh, shoot. Lost part of it. Um, Yeah, I don't know what squamates are, but uh, obviously not a snake and uh, not a lizard. It looks more like a worm to me. Anyway... So always do your research because you just never know. So that's been challenged. Next, workshop series educates consumers with free gemstone information, trivia, prizes, and more at com. You can find out about the workshop. And uh, this is open to the public. It's in Austin, Texas, and oh my goodness, I did not notice the date. It's already over. My bad. I was going to share this with you, but I'm seeing the date is already up. So I only go back to stories that are um, a week or less, so sometimes I miss the date. I apologize for that. Researchers are working on a mineral that is thought to be impossible to find on Earth, We talked about this uh, last week at swordstoday.ie. Jake Pearson writes more about this rare 
gemstone. Now, uh, there's several articles that popped up about this gemstone uh, in found in Nevada. Well, it was not found in Nevada. It it was discovered in Nevada in a diamond that was actually mined from Botswana. So uh, it's Dave Dave Mavoit is the stone, and uh, the one that they found is very tiny. So interesting story behind this that I did not tell before. They feel that this stone um, was developed or created 660 uh, kilometers below the Earth's surface. And they hypothesized this, researchers did, a long time ago because they were able to create it in a lab. Um, and that's what they did. Now, once they created it, it instantly disappeared because it had to be created under all this pressure. So things change under pressure and temperature and different environments make it change. So this one, because it's trapped inside the diamond, um, allows us to look at it in its natural form. And the structure of the diamond allows them to um, see this interesting mineral that is trapped in there. So I thought that was kind of cool. I would add that to it, even though we did talk about it last week. Now next, this amateur geologist created her own cabinet of curiosities. Now there was an article last week, I don't think I told about it, but this woman, um, Ellen Seawall Osgood, was pursued by two young men who were wanting to court her. And one of them offered her uh, some beautiful minerals and gemstones. Actually, it was a pink opal. Now, smithsonianmag.com, you can read about this. It's written in its entirety by Reed Goshberg. If you want to see the article under In 19th Century New England, this amateur geologist created her own cabinet of curiosities. This woman was quite the gem collector. They go through her collection. They go through her history. Um, she was receiving from uh, two suitors that unfortunately happened to be brothers. Um, John gave her the pale pink opal. Henry gave her collections of poems. And uh, they both wanted to marry her. Yeah, and the end will tell you what happened. But during her travels, um, which it goes into quite interesting, she collected quite a collection of gemstones, rocks, and minerals, which is housed at the Concord Museum. And these specimens um, are there for you to see if you want to see them. As you go through the article, they show the old boxes here. They're made of wood. All of the rocks are uh, dated and labeled. Uh, the handwriting is not all one person, so she might have been getting them uh, from many different people who gave them to her. Perhaps she was purchasing them or perhaps other people purchasing them for her, but quite a collection. She became interested in geology as a teenager. At 13 years of age, she attended the Roxburgh Female Academy in Massachusetts, the United States, to study subjects from Latin, German, geog geography, natural history, 
uh, astronomy and chemistry, and which was unusual at this time because you remember she uh, was 17 years old in 1839. So this was the 1800s that she grew up in. And um, here she was collecting rocks just like us today and minerals. And um, she loved history. She loved all of this stuff. But her collection of art and gemstones is quite elaborate. And uh, here's another box of them right here. A specimen box from, uh, you can find at the Concord Museum Collection, Gift of Mr. George Tolman. And... Um, Pretty cool. They have a picture of the pink opal that was given to her by the suitor, John, right here. Um, it's really not all that spectacular looking, but there it is. It's almost a white. It barely has any pink to it. And her collection is intact and uh, very interesting to look at if you want to check it out. The history, what happened to the suitors? Did she take the poems or did she take the pink Opal. Um, well, she didn't accept the marriage proposal from either one of them, but she kept the gifts. And you can see those today. All right. Supersaurus may be the longest dinosaur ever discovered, amazingly attaining a length possibly of near 140 feet long. You can find this at earth.com. Supersource may be the longest dinosaur ever discovered. Allison Bossman wrote this article. It goes into quite some detail. There's a magnificent picture of this tremendous creature that uh, they found a shoulder bone of this uh, brontosaurus, that, uh, the supersource brontosaurus, that indicates, because of the size of the shoulder, it eight foot long um, I'll try to say it's scapulocoracoid, two fused bones that make up the shoulder girdle in an adult of dinosaurs and other reptiles. This bone identified Supersaurus as potentially one of the longest dinosaurs ever discovered. And uh, based on calculations, this dinosaur would be between 130 something feet and uh, or 120 something feet, I think, and almost, oh, here it is, 128 feet or 137 feet long. The one neck vertebrae placement would be nearly four and a half feet long, 1.3 uh, meter. Crazy length when you go from nose to tail, that's longer than three yellow school buses. And uh, just amazing. Wouldn't it be something to dig up a complete specimen of this amazing creature that once walked on the face of the earth? I kind of think that they lived in water or at least part water. I just think because how massive they were um, that, you know, just the mechanics of it all. They feel this creature weighed 90 um, tons or more. 82 metric tons, twice as heavy as Supersaurus was. Wow, just crazy. Amazing creatures that once roamed the earth, probably preparing it and uh, getting it uh, to the point where we could uh, live on it today. 
Now, a rare tiny species of dinosaur. Uh, the remains have been discovered in Brazil. You go to mashable.com, M-A-S-H-A-B-L-E.com. Um, Denise, or Dees, God, God, uh, wrote it on uh, November the 19th. The little creature has a parrot-like beak, no teeth, tiny little thing, two-legged little dinosaur, running around in Brazil um, in the paper in the journal Nature, called Nature. Researchers feel that uh, they've found a complete, the most complete uh, skeleton. They never find a complete one, hardly. It's always great when they do, though. Um, but this one's fairly complete, they say, and they call it a lep. Polodyne, and uh, it has a beak-like mouth with no teeth, tiny little thing. Lots of birds, like falcons, buzzards, eat meat with beaks, so uh, very possible this was a little carnivore, probably like a uh, a piranha on land, right? <laughs> so there's a little picture of it there, quite wild-looking, amazing. Okay. Um, beautiful blue agate, Ellensburg blue agate from Washington, about the center of the state, is a very rare stone known for its blue color found only in central Washington. You can go to nbcigtnow.com and there is a video there and an article that you can look up about this beautiful gemstone. Um, it can range from light blue to almost a white um, to a cornflower blue that is much darker, according to the owner of Langford Lapidary. These agates are very popular. One thing that was interesting is no matter how thin you cut it, it retains its color. A lot of other blue agates around the world, you cut them thinner and thinner, they get very clear. Um, they sell off the shelf. This one lapidary person said that uh, he can only cut them quick enough. He can't cut them quick enough to, to, to sell them for the demand. He sells them as quick as he cuts them. So, And he says many times these are passed on from family member to family member. They are one of the rarer... Um, agates that are out there and it is it is pretty it is nice looking very light uh colored and you know agate wears well so it's always nice they said that uh you know most of these blues are only on private property so if you go on that property you will be trespassing but if you do want these you can go to rock the letter n tomahawk ranch and then uh, they will be able to get you in touch with some of those rocks. Also, I might suggest talking to the uh, rock and gym clubs in the area. Perhaps they have um, some contacts. Fossil hunter turned social media star finds 180 million year old Ichosaurus on North Yorkshire Beach, the article says. Um, Liam Langley found the rare fossils in Kettleness. Um, that can be found at the gazettelive.co.uk and uh, Eden Lewis 
is the journalist that wrote about it. There's a picture of uh, Liam there with his fossil in hand where he found it. There on the beach, uh, beach near Whitby. He's 26 years old. He discovered this Ichosaurus fossil, which uh, they feel is uh, super old. And they have some nice close-up pictures where you can see the patterns of the scales. Pretty neat. Um, he went there as a boy uh, finding ammonites and uh, has regularly collected fossils around the beaches, around Whitby for years. And uh, he was lucky enough to go collecting three or four times a week with the weather and tide, you know, depending on how they were. He saw this large rock on the beach and recognized that it was something special. It has nine articulated backbones from the extinct sea creature that he was able to drag out with a rope access to the beach. So <laughs> he didn't just walk up and find it. He really had to work for it. Um, he says he has... Uh, 12.7 thousand followers on YouTube, and uh, he's got all kinds of followers on TikTok, and uh, he puts his fossil finds on there all the time. Once he finds them, he cracks them open to discover what's inside, has them polished by local company Stone Treasures, and then keeps them in good condition, so I guess he's allowed to keep them there. That's kind of nice. It's amazing that he's able to go out so often. Last year, he found a very, very rare uh, fossil of Lepidodotus. Lepidotus. It's a fossilized fish. The scales are very prominent. Uh, he even has a fin and the gill area of this, and it's quite beautiful, dark black, very impressive uh, fish that he was also able to find on the beach there. He says this... Fossil hunting hobby provides fresh air, exercise, and excitement for all ages. Um, be careful of the clift areas if you are in that area and you're going to check that out because sometimes stuff does pull loose. Now, I want to talk about Mars again. At playcrazygame.com, they have an article here called Beware of What You Find on Mars, Says Study on Alleged Fossil Finds. So I don't know if you've heard in the news, they claim that they find uh, found some uh, fossils. These fossils are supposedly organic uh, organisms and um, kind of uh, the microbiosphere uh, part of life. But the fact is that these possible organisms found on the red planet... Two scientists have warned against a natural process that creates the look of fossils. So they warn that uh, just because it has a little divot in a rock, that does not necessarily mean that organic matter was in the divot. Um, looking closely at non-biological mineral deposits that look a lot like fossils... Um, as such as China did uh, on their expedition. The phenomenon includes a process associated with the breakdown and deposit of sedimentary layers that can produce rocks with strong resemblance of fossils. Fossils can also be created in a chemical garden in which continuous mixing of chemicals can produce structures that resemble biological ones. 
The same can happen with any mineral, which creates uh, biomorphs. Now that I know um, when you go collecting sometimes in copper mines, you will find things that look like ferns. They're not ferns. They are mineral deposits called, um, oh, now I can't think what they're called, but it starts with D, um, dendrites, dendrites. So these dendrites um, look like fossils, can look like plants, but they're not. So the same thing can happen from patterns and holes of rocks, um, either created by organisms or just by the minerals which produce pseudo-fossils. Scientists need to be careful on what they discover on the red planet uh, and because they are wanting to find life so much, anything that looks like it, um, they are claiming is, even though examining these show that uh, there is not any biological origins from Mars that they can really point to to um, identify that. So it is going to take more study. You really need to look at these things. Um, you know, I, I don't doubt that they might find some sort of organism or biofossils, you know, biological, tiny biological fossils. It's entirely possible. But, uh, you know, be careful, listen to the, um, the details and wait for the studies because they're always changing their minds. Next, this is awesome. Whiskey Creek, new claims in Idaho, nodules with orbs and colorful brocaded patterns mined in September 2021. Uh, our friends, <coughs> excuse me, at rarerockandgym.com have posted and sent out an email. They sold out. They mined a certain amount of it. They offered it for sale. It's already sold out. But if you go to their website, look up Whiskey Creek, Creek Jasper um, from Rare Rocks and Gyms and just appreciate the beauty. Um, the agates, uh, they have one that is just spectacular, cut in half. Has the pattern of uh, like a Biggs Jasper kind of with the orbs and the browns and the light browns and the, the rings. But on the bottom is brocaded pieces that are dark green, olive green, light green with reds and browns and even slight yellow cream color. Um, looks like uh, states from another country that you're not familiar with. Here, there, here, there, here, there, and um, just an amazing piece of Jasper. As you click on their link, I'll see if it's still there. Um, you click on Mine Rough for Sale. Earlier it was there when I checked it. Yes, it's still there. They have several pictures, more brocaded um, with reds, more orbs, um, really spectacular stuff, guys. Too bad he sold all out. Um, he's got some videos on it too, cutting it and cabbing it. They don't uh, they don't uh, donate or sponsor to the show, but man, these are just so pretty, guys. You you really should check them out. Just beautiful, Whiskey Creek Jasper from Idaho. Um, pink sapphire. I think this is going to be pretty much our last article for the day. Actually, I could talk about one other thing. Um, after this. Pink sapphires. When it comes to sapphires, think pink. 
If you go to NewYorkTimes.com and look up when it comes to sapphires, think pink, you're going to see an article on pink sapphires. These are dark, bright, brilliant pink sapphires. The article's by Melina Abrams, and she goes in to talk about the Princess Eugene of Britain who had pink-orange engagement ring of these sapphires, which I'm not sure the pronunciation, but it looks like pad... Pared, and then S-C-H-A, which I'm not sure if that's Sha. So Pad Pared Sha, maybe that's it, um, had this beautiful ring made out of these gemstones. Crazy. So pink sapphires are all the rage right now. Um, they are, you know, uh, there was that 10-carat pink diamond that the wrapper, a uh, little... Whatever his name was, little you, I forget his name, but he had one put in his forehead and then he had it removed because I think it got hit or something. He got hurt, which that's a bummer. You hate to hear about that. But, uh, you know, an amazing gemstone nonetheless. Another jeweler created a one of a kind uh, with pink sapphires and uh, it was $68,000. Uh, another pink sapphire, another nice thing about pink sapphires, sapphires reflect the light. It's the closest thing to diamonds, Um, maybe sometimes even more so than diamonds. Sapphires are just wonderful at reflecting light. Gorgeous. You might want to check this out. A lot of sapphires are mined on the island of Sri Lanka and Madagascar. Um, At one time, these two areas were thought to be connected, and then they were pulled apart. Um, And uh, so you will find multiple color sapphires in these areas they have some pinks and purples on a necklace here uh, and talking about Madagascar and such and these colors. Sapphires are generally about 60 to 75% cheaper than a diamond, but uh, if they're big in size, they could even reach up to 90% the value of a diamond. A diamond is worth about $15,000. Uh, compared with about $1,000 for a two-carat pink sapphire. So sounds like it's, uh, you know, if you have that kind of money, compared to a diamond, it's pretty reasonably priced. And I think it's a good investment, too. All right, and the last story for today, um, our friends at uh, Fire Mountain Gyms, you can go there and you can check out their... um, Newsletter. They've got a great newsletter that came out last week. They've got one that came out this week. They've got an article on glue types and information. There's an article there, a free bracelet project uh, with wire work, and uh, how to sell your handmade jewelry on Instagram, and all sorts of other things. So, guys, with that, we will leave it at that. And I want to thank you all for tuning in. Remember, rock hounds don't die. They petrify.